Welcome to Whack or Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, a band, or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. And like all great podcasts, this one is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text amongst friends that simply refuses to die and gets more sketchy by the day. Moving right along, here are my co-hosts who are still holding steady after... 18 episodes. <laughs> hey, what's up? I'm Noah and I am a punk. <laughs> a punk. Uh, and I'm Adrian. I'm the producer, Kwasa Kwasa. <laughs> Is that how you say that? I don't know. I think so. I thought it was Cape Cod Kurosawa. <laughs> I'm shocked they don't have a song that's like, Tashiro Mifune went to the beach. <laughs> he had a long nap and now he wants to preach something like that. And I am your host, of course, Caleb. And I am an alt <laughs> to Noah's punk. Alt punk, baby. Alt punk. <laughs> still nice. need to still need to see if I can uh find that CD. If I can save that uh yeah, CDR. Uncover that treasure. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to send legendary, it away to get it. Legendary uh, mixtape from created. 13-year-old Adrian. <laughs> Pretty good, man. Got some good stuff on there. Um, yeah, well, welcome back to the show, uh, Whacker Slaps. This is episode 18, Barely Legal, baby. Ooh, 18 and life to go. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, man, we have made it. We have made it. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for all these uh, sword episodes. Um, yeah, last episode was great, covered an epic, and uh, this one is an epic of its own type. <laughs> Noah, what are we doing, bud? Yeah, we got on tap for you. We have Vampire Weekend, their self-titled album, their debut uh, from the year 2008. Um Adrian, what did the pitch dorks have to say about this one over at Pitchfork? <laughs> um, take that Pitchfork. They gave it an eight point eight, uh, so they're pretty they're pretty hot on it. Uh, that's the it kinda, that's the Nazi number. Yeah, that that's Real unfortunate. Sketchy. Uh, I mean, they are pretty white, but you know, uh, well, actually, if you said that, they'd probably say, well, actually, we're you know. Uh, from the Eastern Bloc, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think he actually said that in one of his interviews. He's like, we're, we're actually like Serbian and blah, 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 a bunch of other stuff. I'm like, yeah. okay, calm down there, buddy. In there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, uh, they did get I a mean, best it all music. Just a con- it's all social construction, <laughs> but that's no excuse well, for this band. <laughs> um, it was the, so the review is, uh, once again, it's pretty... It's, it has a lot of praise for the band and it, it touches on actually a lot of these things that, that we're already kind of touching on about sort of uh, things that were, well, the band was maligned with, you know, whether it's the, yeah, they're, they're too white or they're borrowing from all this world music and, you know, whatever. Um, but <clears throat> I pulled a little bit from the end of the review um, and it, it goes into that a little bit here. So it was 
by Nitsu Abebe, who I, I don't really remember seeing too many reviews by uh, by him, but I think he's still around writing. So here's a little bit from his review. While Vampire Weekend have certainly benefited from our new music world of internet buzz, plenty of people have found reason to hate Vampire Weekend from the first note, many of them having to do with their prep aesthetic and Ivy League educations. Oxford shirts, boat shoes, Columbia University. But it just so happens that we're in a moment where such things matter to people. As interest grows in clean-cut, clever indie pop, plenty of folks would like to hear things get dirtier, riskier, less collegiate. And in a lot of corners of the indie landscape, they thankfully are. But here's another odd parallel with that first Strokes record. Vampire Weekend have the same knack for grabbing those haters and winning them over. Bring any baggage you want to this record, and it still returns nothing but warm, airy, low gimmick pop. Peppy, clever, and yes, unpretentious. Four guys who listened to some Afropop records, picked up a few nice ideas, and then set about making one of the most refreshing and replayable indie records in recent years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Gimmick, they, they're fucking gimmicky. Come on. <laughs> like, you well, have, you he says to be low gimmicky. gimmick, not gimmick free. So, yeah, you had to be. Definitely, you had to have I'm, a, I'm with them there on airy, um, gimmick for sure, pop, pet, preppy, um, clever. Yeah, it's all there, and but uh, not unpretentious. The, the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, let's just, what is their deal then? Like what? Yeah, I I, I want to highlight that because the context I feel, of 2008. I feel like they were a turning point in indie dumb. Like, I really I'm not like a scholar of this year or anything, but I definitely like there was a line that was drawn with like this record coming up. I don't know if it was like, what was this 2008 or whatever? Yeah. So it's like you know later in the aughts, you know, and we were kind of all becoming more digitally native, um, in a way. And like I don't know if this band was like a pure product of the internet before kind of bands were. I don't know, maybe more set in the analog world or those kind of more DIY channels. I don't really know, but I feel like when this band hit, it was kind of, I don't know, the end of an era and the start of a new one. Maybe I'm putting too much weight on that, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it was a turning point for some reason. Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about that because this is towards the end of our like 2000 to 2010, you know, kind of demarcation. Right. And I think you're right. I think this is sort of the turning point where, I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's a point where indie is becoming much more in the zeitgeist of pop music and we're in the, the realm of pop music. And I think this is one of the records that kind of helped bridge that gap even more than it was, you know, er, earlier in the yachts. I think that at the same time, Pitchfork also started to turn its focus more on the, you know, the poptimist side where they're starting to, pick up a lot more you know stuff that maybe in the early 2000s they would have kind of you know been more snarky about um and they start taking these things more seriously whether it's you know you know uh, britney spears or whatever mainstay pop artists where they were at that moment in time um i think that started to become much more prevalent and i think that's continued into today where now it's kind of the you know the 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 math has flipped a little bit and i think now that takes up more of the you know the I mean, they still have an, a pretty decent mix of things, but I think that, that that's taken up more oxygen, especially after Condé Nast bought them. You know, I think that that's all a part of this, the, you know, the commercialization of indie rock, whatever you want to say, the co-opt, you know, being co-opting a sound and making it become the kind of a new pop template. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff around this record in particular and things that were happening in 
late, you know, the late 2000s, 2008, 2009, 2010, um, that, that are reflected in what, how this band, you know, blew up, how this band, you know, parlayed that into basically, you know, a pop career. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're pop as hell. Like they're, I was looking it up today. They're the only band that had three number one albums to debut on the, on the charts with not a single hot 100 hit. So it's like, they, they did have like just their dedicated fans and they became like world famous almost instantly, which in that review, Adrian, they keep name checking the strokes and the I kind of for- and uh, Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, Bell and Sebastian. But I kind of forgot. It was like, oh yeah, these guys were like a preppy version of the Strokes, and they they're did. uptown baby. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> like I remember, even when the Strokes came out. I mean, I'm a Strokes fan, like those first two albums at least. But even yep. I, as like Damn. a little seventeen year old kid, was like, what? Who are these Strokes fuckers? These rich kid fucking uber hipsters they're doing too much but then i grew to love them (laughs) but with this band it was like the same complaint but they just they seem too polished they seem like seem like they'd be the kids at the party that were bumming everybody out yeah but having a good time you know i'm just kind of not completely self-aware that they're bumming everyone else or everyone's kind of capping on them yeah I totally know what you mean by like the the clean cut thing, and the dude pretty much mentions it in the um in the review. And kind of looking back at this, like yeah, that three year blog made two thousand seven, two thousand ten, um whatever capital I indie rock was getting going back to being more like clean cut and collegiate. You know, you had like Bell and Sebastian had the Life's Pursuit album that came out a few years ago before that, but then you had just like a whole slew of bands, and they were getting I don't know being a little bit more uptight. Like the Walkman and things like that, where it's just like not like pop in a crossover sense, but like yeah. pop in a very clean, every, linear style every, of yeah. clever rock music. And um, and I don't know what was in the air if bands were like they all they all the market forces or got kind of bored of like kind of the more feral period that stuff is incorporated in more noise and outsider music and all those things that were happening and one to kind of, I don't know, tighten things up a little bit. They um, all, Caleb, they all got their hands on a fucking modern lover album. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And sprinkle a little bit of uh for sure. David Byrne in there and, you know, for sure. dust off that fella cootie album. And like now we're sophisticated, cool. Yeah. It's also this thing with like uh, white people making music or uh, doing anything in culture. It's like this bell curve of like, don't get too into other people's cultures and just co-opt it. But if you go the other way and just like embrace your own culture a little too much, that's also problematic because that's just like, you know, celebrating the, yeah. the virtues of Western civilization, all that fucking garbage. You know what else? So, I don't too? know. I, I think this album is very tenuous grasp on both of those things. You know, it's kind of like. We need to talk about the whole polo shirt of it all. Because remember how Was this aggressive time where we were wearing two polo shirts. At yeah, once? I never the did. Pop yeah. collar. Remember yeah. how aggressive polo shirts were in the early two thousands, and I feel like by the time this band came around in like two thousand eight, it was like, what? We're still doing this fucking look, 
Lacoste polo shirt thing. Like that's a whole personality now because you wear. No, no, it it morphed into the Oxford shirt thing. Yeah. Okay. But even before that, like skinheads were they they were polos like all all the way. I had a Lacoste polo shirt, but I bought it at a thrift store for like. I had like a stripy one. Um, that I kind of wear, but I don't know if you guys are with me. We all went to the same elementary school. We had to wear polo shirts every day. So yeah. um, I despise fucking polo it shirts and, can't, cool. and cannot bring myself to wear one <laughs> uh, to this day and probably <laughs> haven't worn one since like college. Yeah. Fuck that. Speaking of cultural appropriation, I remember the polo shirt I bought. I watched the harder they come and I was like, oh, dude, those guys dress so slick. Um, I didn't grow dreads or anything, but they wore like a lot of like kind of like uh, like high water, like uh, like chinos and like polo shirts and button downs. You know, I thought that looked yeah. cool. Yeah, kinda I think like um, solids. Safe, safe to say that like Rostam and Ezra, they were jamming out to uh, to like Jimmy Cliff and uh, uh, whatchamacallit and the. The other dude on uh, Toots and the Maytals, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Totally. But um, that was the height of my polo shirt wearing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to place yourself back in 2008. That was like yeah. kind of well, somewhat let's, recently. Let's get some history and then we could like, time ago. let's get history from Adrian and then Caleb. You can just rage because I feel it's, <laughs> it's about to boil over for you on this. Album. Well, I've, I've been maintaining, I didn't, you know. <laughs> Did my yoga today. I haven't been drinking. Oh, I'm sure we'll get to. I'm it. in my body right now. I'm, yeah. in, I'm in a good space. Quasa, quasa, baby. Yeah, it's <laughs> ready now, baby. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, th- that's a good segue to. Uh, well, not really, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so in terms of history, since this is their debut album, I'll go into a little bit of the band's history prior to this. Uh, so. First, the record itself was recorded in a variety of environments throughout 2007, including a couple of the members' apartments, I think a few of their parents' houses, a barn, a basement, uh, as well as Tree Fort Studio in Brooklyn, which I think was Whoa. at that point a, a relatively new studio. Got a tree uh, fort. <laughs> Got a basement in my mom's house. Tree forts are so random, so indie. <laughs> Remember that was like that's so hipster, that's so indie. People that was like peaking in two thousand eight, right? Yeah, yeah, right around that time for sure. Yeah, homeless uh, or hipster was spreading stuff like that. <laughs> stuff white people like that or that website. Anyway, sorry, we digress as always. the The record was produced by uh, the band member Rostam Bat Manglish with some assistance from engineers Jeff Curtin and Shane Stoneback. Um, and he's gone on to produce a lot of other things and, and his own records as well. It was released by XL Recordings on January 29th, 2008. And as Noah mentioned, it is their debut studio album. The So a little bit of history of the band here. The band met at Columbia University uh, and they were inspired to... They, they got together and then they were sort of inspired to incorporate more world sounds after Ezra Koenig, uh, kind of the, the one of the head songwriters and guitarist. He toured with Dirty Projectors and he saw what they were doing uh, and he liked it. So he's like, well, let's let's incorporate some of these ideas into our own music. 
Strike uh, one. The the Oxford <laughs> Strike three one. projectors were big Oxford and Strike Slacks one. Guys. That band fucking <laughs> sucks. Yeah, a little spoiler oh, to our journey projectors episode. <laughs> <laughs> Playing uh like Afrobeat indie pop uh detuned, untuned with uh whatever fucking stupid effects you want does not make a band. Yeah, let's do Afro pop without make. without the weight of uh <laughs> Yeah. Let's do, let's do complete erasure of the continent of Africa and just take <laughs> take it for ourselves. And Adrian, you're probably in the history. They started out as a hip hop group. Is that is that well true? that <laughs> I I don't know how give serious us, that was. Give but, us the name. Give us the name. Um they they started <laughs> so it was like a, a rap collaboration between Koenig and then the drummer uh Chris Thompson. And it was called Le Leom Run. So like French, like Leom, like man, I think is what that is. Run. Mm -hmm. You know, nice, nice little pun there for these collegiate. <laughs> Wait, I don't get it. What is it? Leom Run. Oh, like home run. It's like L apostrophe H O M M E. Yeah. Okay. If you have to explain it, it's not cool. <laughs> Uh, that works better on a poster, I think. But yeah, um, but uh, you have to get to third base before you hit a home run, there, guys. So <laughs> it does sound like a very virginal, like there, there is virg virginal energy all over. This is this a thing. finger blasting album. <laughs> <laughs> like, did oh, you get gosh. fingered? This is like oh, you lose your virginity to a woman, and then you write a whole fucking album about it. And then you tell her about it, and she's completely freaked out and like fucking smears you yeah. and all your friends. I got friends. a hand job kind of at the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> One summer. Uh, all right, all right. Let's get back on track here. The Do you guys know where the band's name comes from? I do. Yeah. Um, it was a uh, based on like a, a like a short film called like a Strange Day or something. Uh, about a vampire in the in the the woods. Uh, so that's trapping a woman. <laughs> that's like half. No, it's, third, it's based right? on a short film called Vampire Weekend. That one, I was getting that confused with another uh, great short film made around this. <laughs> He's time. referencing a movie that I was yeah. in, or a movie. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say that. He's referencing a clip or <laughs> a thing, <laughs> thing, a piece of content, a YouTube piece of shit yeah. <laughs> youtube entity yeah so it was like a it was a short somebody i don't know if they were in the film program but it was the name of a short film right that they made so it actually never got even to that point it was uh something that ezra koenig came up with he watched the lost boys when he was on summer vacation at home and he came up with an idea for for vampire weekend a short film uh and i think the story was something like you know lost boys set in the northeast you know in kind of that preppy world and so it was like you know some preppy named walcott which gave its later they've used that for the one of the song titles but walcott travels to cape cod and then uh, i guess a bunch of vampires attack and he has to fight them off or something like that is um, is cape cod the santa cruz of the east coast 
that doesn't, that doesn't square with me. I yeah, mean, Santa really Cruz is a really expensive, beautiful place, but it has it has some edge. I, I don't know about Cape I guess Rock. they're both beach communities. I don't know. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of needles in both of those places. There's probably some Cape Cod hippies or something. I don't know. I don't oh, know I'm sure there's some Cape Cod Cape Cod weirdos. Too rich yeah. for my blood. That makes sense, though, that it's named after something that never became anything. These dudes just <laughs> kind of remind me of that. Guys who like, they're like, oh, they just like make a lot of hay out of their like ideas about ideas or like their treatments of things. And they just kind of like have talk amongst themselves about it and like, but they never get around to doing it. They're like, well, I feel like the idea was, you know, wholesome enough or. Yeah, no, that's all I really needed to see it through. That's probably what we should have done with this podcast. We could just not record it and just talk amongst ourselves. Call it <laughs> all good. <laughs> Maybe we haven't been recording it all along. Yeah, are we the it's Vampire a- Weekend of uh, of uh, Oakland and Santa Maria? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Anyways, so they began performing while they were still at Columbia. And once they graduated, they began self-recording the record. And a few of them, I think most of them actually, uh, if not all of them, held down full-time jobs. The drummer, Chris Thompson, he was a music archivist. Koenig was a middle school teacher, famously, I think. Uh, You know, people, uh, interviews from around this time, definitely that was a huge thing. It was like, oh, you used to be a teacher and now you have these bookish kind of songs and blah, 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 blah. Um, but prior to the release of the album, they built buzz by dropping kind of a three song CDR that was spread across the internet. I definitely remember, you know, seeing people writing about that and blogs or whatever, talking about those songs. I, and, and it was definitely, uh, you know, a steady buildup over the, over that year, 2007 until, uh, until they finally dropped it. But, you know, at the same time they did start facing a lot of backlash almost immediately, I think just in terms of, you know, their backstory. I mean, people obviously perceive them as, you know, Ivy League dudes stealing from, you know, African and world music. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, not completely unfair. Ezra Koenig, he later said, you know, nobody in our band is a wasp. You know, we, we went to Columbia on on scholarships and used student loans and stuff. So, you know, he's, he's got a point there. Yeah, um, it's unfair. Yeah, I mean, but nobody's like essentializing them just because, you know, a lot of them are European presenting people or whatever. It's just well, the whole vibe of the band. It's like yeah. the Oxford shorts and like the fucking I have this in my notes. They're like a Wit Stillman fucking movie. They're the band <laughs> version of that. Yeah, they're kind of like For sure. auditioning to be like the Wes Anderson house. Band house. Yeah. Something. And like it's not like we're they're not they're not like people aren't doing deep dives into their backgrounds and being like. It's like what they like represent and the like the the outcome of everything is just extremely white and of that like kind of like they whatever upper east side. They should have um, went the other way and been like, Yeah, we are preppy fucking Yeah, we we're are proud to be you. white. We're all we are talking down to you. We are super <laughs> smart. Like this man, if they would have called themselves like the dorks and yeah. dressed even more preppy and like, could have called themselves wasp. Even more kind Wasp of, elite, <laughs> yeah. Even more like elitist or something. Like made it more of like a punk rock art project. I probably would have liked them more at the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, yeah. I think that'd be cool. They're like, they're like, what's up? We're Vampire Weekend. 
from the upper west side. What's up, all you <laughs> state school students? Yeah. I, I mean, I think in some ways the music is that. The music is sort of their way of doing that. And I think you're right, Caleb, it is very white sounding in a lot of ways in, or white presenting, I guess. Um, and I, I said that, you know, they're Serbian. I think the true, true, their true backgrounds are, are Ukrainian, Persian, Italian, and Hungarian. So, you I mean, know, we don't need to get into their fucking racial histories. Like who cares? Like, well, I just honestly. mean, what, what I'm just saying is like, there, it's more complicated than than just saying oh, it's a bunch of white guys making white guy music. You know, it it's not necessarily as cut and dry as that. And maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because I like the band. Yeah. But I don't know. What? But, but at the same time, Adrian, do you think if like they just went to like, I don't know, NYU or something? I think the Ivy League oh, stuff. I would never go to NYU. <laughs> no, but I think the Ivy League stuff, it was a give and take. Like it did become a a, a kind of a catch like or a hook for them like oh yeah these ivy league kids are like making cool african music so it, you do have to take the good with the bad if you're like yeah. presenting yourself as this kind of preppy look like they yeah. they, they know what they're doing right they're not fucking stupid. and it's like and it's it's yeah. like i understand you like you you don't have like these last Average lives of privilege that people might assume you do based on like yeah they got into a good school you got into like, a good school cares? a lot of people get into good schools on scholarships and loans and things and we're not denying that I don't know struggle uphill battle whatever you want to call it we're just saying you're also benefiting like Noah said you're also benefiting from you know the prestigious Ivy League uh you know whatever you know uh, allure and then yeah, you also you're also benefiting from picking and choosing what you like from music of the African continent or like Brazil or South America or whatever, and capitalizing on that. And then coming back and saying like, well, no, I'm not completely white. So I get a pass. It's like, no, it's, yeah. it's a lot. Your identity is a lot more complicated than that. But then how you leverage that privilege is also yeah. more complicated, but than they're that not, and, and is worth like in, interrogating more. But they're not like Paul Simon going to like apartheid South Africa <laughs> and like stealing all of his songs from a Mexican band from East L.A., Los Lobos. They're not like that terrible, even though I think Graceland is a great album. It's very problematic. I don't think this album's all that problematic in hindsight. No, I, I agree with you. No, no. And that barely registered with me even. And like I've like maybe I wasn't too privy to these conversations and they weren't as like, you know, now it's the whole hot take industry. And this this band would be like a 30 fucking post Twitter thread, you know, by some journalists for Vulture or whatever. And um, so I don't even know this conversation. It's just I don't know. It's just the album that is is what it is to me, you know, not really all the conversation around it or the cultural appropriation thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, any more history, Adrian? Just to finish up, um, I do have a little bit about you know it. The album's release it got a lot of critical acclaim. It got a lot, of, actually, a surprising amount of commercial success. Maybe um, it sold twenty seven thousand copies in its first week, which was a lot more than I had I had remembered. Not and it did, yeah, not bad. And I, it debuted at number seventeen on the Billboard two hundred. So, you know, I mean first out the gate with that that's pretty good especially for you know a quote-unquote indie rock band 
you know. And then by January of 2010, it had sold nearly half a million copies. So damn, fuck. I'm sure in the ensuing 10 years, you know, it's probably hit that mark already. But you know what? Well, Pitchfork specifically with their Columbia degrees, they they probably wouldn't have worked out for them unless they sold. <laughs> well, I know that I know that in, in 2000 jobs. Well, <laughs> I think by 2009, even they were still had student loans. I think I remember reading a interview of when that second album was released, and he's like, "Yeah, well, you know, we're cheap. still paying that shit off." Exactly. Um, but Pitchfork ranked it 51st on their best of the 2000s list, which we've mentioned a few times here now. Um, so, you know, right in the, the meat of it, not, not bad. Uh, but that's, that's about all I have for the history. Right in the jugular. Nice. Very cool. All right. Um, what about our histories with this album? How did this, these, uh, how did we all get bit by the vampire that weekend? <laughs> Adrian, you set it off, baby. <laughs> okay, I can start. So uh, I actually have a very distinct memory of this, listening to this record for the first time, because uh, as I mentioned, I recall the buildup, you know, over 2007, seeing the Pitchfork talk about these songs. I think they may have even reviewed a few of them and given given those maybe a best new song at some point. I could be off, wrong on that, but I, I seem to remember something like that. Uh, and I actually never listened to them because the hype itself just turned me off to them because it was so like, this is the hot new thing. This is this this is like, a, a, these guys are great. And, and then, yeah, all, the image thing of like, who the fuck are these guys in their fucking, you know, in their in their fucking Oxford shirts and, and khaki yeah. pants? You get your ass kicked looking like that where we come from. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I was like, no, I they'd just be like, "Are you a teacher?" I don't fuck with this fool. He's a t- he's this fool's obviously a teacher, dude. I think he teaches my cousin, dude. He's cool. He works for the fucking school district. Leave him alone. <laughs> but it's like too uh, basic to even like stick out. Well, it's funny that we're joking about school and teacher because when so so I had heard all this stuff the morning that the album was dropped, I read the pitchfork review, uh, saw that it got a best new music, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm intrigued enough now to listen to the record now that it's out. And I so I go to I happen to be going to school on you know, I had class that day. So I went to class. Um, once I got out of class, I got, I, I can't remember if I ran into or got a text from our friend Dave and he was like, Hey, do you want to, you know, want to chill and listen to some music or whatever? And I was like, all right. So he picks me up and immediately he's like, have you heard about this band? And he holds up the the CD and in my memory, he bought it, but I, I could be wrong. He may have just burned it. And he's like, I was like, oh yeah, actually I just read that review. And I was actually just thinking like, I should probably download it when I get home. Um, so we put it on and we listened to it and you're driving around and well, it came to my house and is like, yeah, th- this actually, it's much more enjoyable and, and unpretentious than I figured it would be. And I kind of got that immediately. And then I probably ripped it or burned it from, from, Dave that day and then it you know became a mainstay for for a little while at least in those sort of middle community college years for me yeah uh, it was definitely always in the car 
man, I'd throw it on, you know, it's pretty good driving music, I, I'd say. And, and it was, you know, it was around for pretty much up through their second album. You know, I, I listened to it pretty continuously and then I kind of petered off of them and, and they pop back up here and there over the past few years, but mostly just from other people playing it like in the office or whatever. So I never really returned to the, this, this record in particular, but um, in the office or on the show, the office (laughs) in, in our office, but you know, I think we'll get to that, Caleb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's uh, so yeah, that that's kind of where I, I left it with them. You know, I, I liked that second album and I listened to it for about a month. And then after that, it's kind of just like put him aside and, you know, um, and that, that was kind of fine. And, and now, you know, I hadn't listened to them until we revisited them for this. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at with it in my past. Nice. nice. Um, AJ and I was similar. It was like I heard about the backlash before I even heard the band. So I was kind of like, oh, what, what's, what's the big deal with these guys? I, mean, I think the first time I heard them, was on i watched their video their music video on pitchfork tv you guys remember pitchfork tv yeah oh yeah and they had a video for yeah, that's A-Punk. in my notes too baby yeah they had a video for app punk uh, <laughs> i watched it and i was like oh yeah this looks like a fucking gap commercial um <laughs> it's like whatever there's some dorks like i don't mind it and i don't like it but it's not i don't find it like egregious or anything um and then i remember you know my buddy uh ian and uh he was like no you heard vampire weekend he's like you would probably love him and he's like because you know he knew the music i listened to at the time and he was like yeah you like you know the strokes and um uh, kind of talking heads stuff like that and gap <laughs> fella <laughs> shop at old navy yeah khakis and i remember i kind of like overreacted i was like what Saconis, you got those Saconis, bro yeah but i like kind of overreacted i was like what you think i'd like this <laughs> shit <laughs> these fucking ivy league fucks uh which is funny like my best friend went to an ivy league school so it's like like i don't know why i was so up in arms that they went to a good college but uh but i I dare you get educated the shit needs to be dumb if i'm being honest with myself i was probably just like jealous whereas like man i kind of had a thought in my head like i could go to college in new york city like that'd be a cool way to like (laughs) That'd be like the only way you can live in New York with not having a lot of money, you know? So it was like, like being a kid from California. So maybe I was just like jealous of them. I was like, yeah, they're just smart guys making smart music. Um, and I knew all of what they were referencing, but at the time I was very much into uh, Afro beats. I don't know if it's the same as Afro pop, but I was into like Fela Kuti. I was into the Graceland album. Uh, the Paul Simon album. I was listening to that a lot around 2008. Um, I was also listening to a lot of Bell and Sebastian. So like the whole tree affectation that they were doing. So it was kind of like, I, I listened to enough of their influences that I don't really need to listen to them, which is a lot of music 
in the late 2000s where I just started to think they don't bring anything new. It's all derivative. And this is right around time. I kind of like turned my back on like the younger bands or bands comprised of people that were my same age or just kind of like, eh, they don't really, they're not speaking to me in any way. This seems like for younger kids. It also seemed very like East coast, like, like it just, it just didn't vibe with me. And so I kind of just never it's got gave a real it. paying $70 for an eighth kind of vibes. <laughs> it's got silver vibes. You guys need <laughs> to smoke some real weed. Come to Cali, baby. Fucking shut you up a little bit. I think, <laughs> I think dude lives in LA now. Yeah. He's probably still a little smoked a good, but, uh, yeah, and I listened to a few a handful of songs, but I never owned this album. Eventually, I did listen to the whole album, and I was like, it's not for me. Um, I do think they've gotten better as a band. Like, their last two albums, I actually like, and I listen to, and I revisit. Um, but just at the time, it just was not for me, and I think I was getting a little exhausted of hyped-up bands where, like, a band makes one debut album and everybody loses their shit. And it's just like, it just felt hollow. It felt light sounding. It felt slight. It felt thin. Like it just felt they didn't go beyond their influences. So that, that's what I would say about them. It felt a little contrived, the whole thing. Hmm. So maybe, but maybe I was just too much, embracing the backlash and not just listening to them in earnest i guess that was probably more my fault and it was probably because you know i was like a fucking college dropout underachieving little fucker in 2008 so like <laughs> i was probably just jealous like honestly i'm gonna fuck these dudes up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but anyways that was my take on them at the time right on um yeah, when I first kind of heard of uh, this band, it, I think it was also through Pitchfork TV. I, I remember distinctly, so this would have been 2008, I was 21. So I think, I don't know where I would have heard of them, but I think I was like watching a lot of Pitchfork TV, had like a newish computer that could kind of handle that kind of thing. And, um, you know, frequented in the record store up in Arcata. And then um, I think I took a summer school. I took an ethnomusicology class and um, exposed me to a lot of music of, uh, you know, uh, Southern Hemisphere, you know, Africa, South America, um, the Caribbean, things like that. And so I was like getting a pretty, um, you know, introductory um, kind of experience into Phil Acuti and this, um, this awesome comp that um, I think it's like Soundways music it's called ghana sounds has a bunch of music from ghana um so it had all this like cool african music too and i was so i was kind of like into that and then i think um shout out to the red jetta or red golf uh nat um I, he was my roommate at the time um jetta jams baby yeah jetta jammer <laughs> um golf jams um yeah he was like saying have you heard of this golf band? jam with two g's yeah <laughs> totally and a z um and yeah, I guess there's like a, they had a lot of hype around them and stuff. And he's like, Oh, you heard this band. And it's kind of interesting. He put it on and I was like, Oh, this sounds like a Mark Mothersbaugh, like uh Wes Anderson, like uh score outtake, you know, it kind of had that. That was my first impression of it. 
And then, you know, I was kind of listening to stuff on the lighter side. And like I was like saying in the intro was like getting into, uh, you know, music from all over the world. And um, so I could, I could have appreciated that, you know, it's kind of like groovy and, and light, light on your feet, you know, and kind of just had a nice movement to it and um, upbeatness. And I was kind of more into that. Um, and also, I'll be honest, like. I was watching a lot of indie indie movies, you know, a lot of like Mumblecorn, like a, the aforementioned Whit Stillman watched like Metropolitan or whatever recently. So I was kind of like interested in kind of like pseudo intellectual kind of New York shit. And like they kind of had that vibe of like, I was like, oh, man, I, could, I could live on the East Coast and like, you know, just kind of live a little bit of a bohemian lifestyle and try to be interesting and all that stuff. So I didn't find it pretentious. I found it like aspirational in a way um which is kind of cringy now to think about and um yeah so then and like never saying like but the big touchstone is like the graceland of it you know it kind of is like the graceland of our time you know um it's a bit reductionist but yeah like incorporating music from all the world certain kinds of beats and like the guitar phrasing definitely is that west african kind of you know upstrokey kind of shorter phrasing and things like that um so that was kind of cool and it was I had some reference to it and yeah like the twee part of it too because it's like not controversial at all you know it's not heavy it's not like aggressive it was very uh pleasant it was something nice to take home to mom spring break you can bring this album to cape cod to meet the parents it's not gonna cause any uh you know ruffles when they ask like who your parents are like oh we don't know those kind of eggs are they the upstate kind of eggs or whatever so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. summer summer is a verb not a noun yeah yeah <laughs> definitely exactly. definitely yeah um and uh yeah so and then like i thought like the lyrics were like they're kind of gibberishy but i was like oh he's telling a story that's kind of interesting and then but looking back it's like if you you your former references you know somebody named Walcott don't make music don't write lyrics just fucking work for your dad's hedge fund or don't or whatever but you know <laughs> like even though this isn't that guy's background apparently but um I don't know that that kind of wore off quick I was like oh, why do I need to know about these yeah, like professor interesting people why do I need to look up where Washington Heights is why the fuck put that in a song like I don't need <laughs> to live these people's lives I don't need to get fucking involved just, I'm not impressed by this. I mean, Washington like, Heights is like a working class neighborhood, but yeah. well, not when once these guys move up there. Oh, probably not. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's a long way, a roundabout way of saying like I kind of lost a lot, lost interest quick, and I was about a year out from like, you know, listening to Drone and Suno and Boris and all these kind of things, um, and yeah, I was just like, I had no more place for this, you know, just like sonically, it's just too. Too like Noah saying slight and just minor, um, not touching on anything particularly deep or of interest to me. So um, yeah, and I also did have a backlash to the band. I thought they got like way too big for their fucking pleated pants. Um, and like at first, I thought the smugness of it was tongue in cheek, but then like the fucking Contra album cover, it's like a blonde lady in a polo shirt. I was like, I'm not gonna listen to a single fucking second got, of this. They got sued for that. Oh yeah, really? She sued them. Yeah. Yeah, and like the Contras, are we trying to remember the, the fucking like reactionary right wing group, like fucking, um, you know, in glowing terms? It's like, oh, just because it's something 
something from the 80s doesn't mean like you know you should be celebrating it or whatever but i don't know i don't know that album pissed me off and i, I don't thought think it was I've just a reference to, to the video game <laughs> exactly and it was great they made a video game of that that was like kind of so, sounds like video game music these yeah. guys at times but um yeah i just thought they got way too smug and too self-aware and like leaned into that shit too much and i was like okay guys now you're now you're trying to capitalize on it now you're trying to make the rest of a state school dumb dumbs feel dumb you know <laughs> so i got rid of all my collared shirts fucking grew my hair yeah. back out that's the thing put Caleb. on 40 pounds did this album make you feel fucking started drinking way more? What's up? This album like didn't make me feel dumb. Or it was like, do I need to look up the shit he's talking about? It made me just think like, no, you guys are dumb. The yeah. fucking lyrics are dumb. I'm, I'm like, good. It made me feel like right on, cool, man. Like you're into that. I'm into my own shit. It kind of actually gave me some weird swagger and confidence of my own because I'm like. I don't know. I'm red and literate in my own way. I have you know my what own... a musnard roof is or whatever. Yeah, I have my. Own... I don't, but I have my own set of references. You know, like it's a roof that has like a room in it, basically. It's yeah, like exactly. French thing. The Louvre yeah. has a musnard roof. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I got know. a I got a finger and a musnard roof at the Louvre <laughs> that summer. Yeah. And um, oh boy, yeah. So like it quickly, quickly fell away for me. So um, yeah, it went in uh, into its casket and hibernated for I don't know about thirteen years until today when I listened to it. So nice. yeah, I had a I long wanna, vampire weekend. <laughs> I just want to touch on something you, you both of you guys mentioned is is. And then, and that reminded me, because um, I was also getting into African music, Brazilian music, South American music, um, you know, a lot of stuff from the African continent, whether it's, you know, Nigerian music, uh, music from Benin and Togo, you know, funk from just deep in African, you know, e- the African nation, yeah. Ethiopian, yeah, whatever, um, all, all that stuff. I loved it. And it's, it's interesting that we were all kind of coming to that around the same time. I wonder if, it was just in the, in, you know, in the, in our, in our circle, you know, because yeah. um, I don't remember ever talking about it with you guys, but certainly like, you know, we, I'd end up going over to hang out and you'd put it on and be like, oh shit, I was listening to this too. Um, it must've just been something that was happening around that time. I think those reissues are probably coming out. And, I think that's what it is. It's definitely yeah. like, cause I remember probably seven to 10 years before that, the big thing was the Trojan and studio one reissues. And yep. then there was a lot of interest in the reissue game and industry basically um, around. Yeah. The music of the African continent. And then um, also tangentially, like you're saying, like people want to get into like Catino Veloso and like the tropicalismo thing. And Tropic, like, yeah. And awesome. then also Pantos like Afro Caribbean music. So it's kind of, you know, kind of both um things you know textures and a background so yeah and then um and then i think like people are on a steady diet of that and then started make kind of stepping out on their own making their own music for you know better or worse results well for worse apparently to you guys you don't know that yet maybe you know how to change your mind. <laughs> yeah. 13 years is a long time yeah i was always more of a wolfman weekday guy myself <laughs> nice <laughs> Nice. I'm more of a yeah. I'm more of like a uh, um, uh, swamp man. Thursday, 
I can't, I can't even be clever. <laughs> this man takes a lot out of me. Right. Yeah, cool. So um, let's take a quick break and collect ourselves. Maybe go out on the Mansford roof and, you know, smoke some overpriced weed. Mansard. And, um, you know, I'm sweating <laughs> through my my polo, so I'm gonna, I got to change that. And then, uh, yeah, I'll get back into it and talk about how we feel nowadays. Did you and we're back. Dry age pork. In the icebox, Peter Luger's Peter Luger's card. Um, Peter Luger's the whole, the, New the York whole... Times. They slam the restaurant. Yeah, it's bacon, egg, and cheese, iced coffee, boat shoes. Oh, they would never drink iced coffee. That's it's big now. <laughs> like, Americano, Americano. He's he's doing some accent work on this stuff. A little bit, a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah he's doing some uh, fake patois or whatever the West African yeah. version of that is. A, like preppy boy patois. Yeah, yeah. And his excuse was like, "Oh, it's cool. The help, the help growing up was from Trinidad." He's like, "I just have a whack." She voice. basically, she basically re- raised me. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, raised by before... maids. <laughs> yeah, dude. This man should be called raised by maids. <laughs> It's <laughs> my maids. I See, I don't curry. know though. I had some curry. I mean, by my maid. That one you could certainly level at the strokes because that was actually their existence for a lot of those guys. Totally. I don't know. Like these guys are a little bit closer to you know. Yeah, whatever. I mean, they're fucking smart kids. They got into Columbia. Like we shouldn't crucify them for that. Yeah. 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 But we can still rip. I got into really. Columbia, the country, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> there it uh, is. That one's for you, Twilly. Um, <laughs> before we go into our histories, I did want to ask this question. So we're talking about how this band's like so, like obviously, just like a product of New York, you know, Ivy League intellectual stuff. Is this the last great Manhattan album of its time? Of that time? Because I feel like all the cultural shit around New York went over to Brooklyn. You know, uh, after that, because hmm. you had like the strokes and the yeah, 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 and yeah, the on the radio, you had the downtown thing. And this band was a little more like uptown, but it was all kind of like Brooklyn became shorthand for hipster and indie shit pretty much after 2007, 2008. Yeah. Is this the last great Manhattan album? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Well, you got Lulu. The Lulu yeah, but that's East Coast, album. West Coast <laughs> combining oh, force. That's true. It's probably Lulu. <laughs> anyway yeah. just just a thought just a thought um okay so we all probably uh listened to this album i would hope in the past week or so so how do we feel about it now listening with our 2021 years um i can go please uh, hold me back <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I've grown. This band has grown on me. I think their last two albums are pretty good. I think their third album's like really good, and I I've returned to that third album. But they didn't release an album recently. That was a collaboration with the Gecko uh, clothing brand, right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> his nineties. Well, so that last album that he made, Father of the Bride, it's like um he's going for like a kind of nineties radio pop vibe like it it almost sounds like um new radicals or something like that yeah the way biden's favorite age 14 they played at the inauguration (laughs) Um, 
I think his voice matured. That is my main reaction mm. to this band. And when I say reaction, I mean like a rash on my ass. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I got a rash. <laughs> his voice is just too cutesy. This whole album is just too cute. It's, a it's little... like, hey, look what I can do, guys. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's a there's some songs that I like and there's some cool production, but in the end it sounds like gimmicky. It sounds like the sum is not greater than its parts. Like there's some cool mm. parts and good production. And you know, I have to say I talk about this a lot on the podcast, like and I think we all agree, like we tend to like the bands that have a singular sound where they're very well defined right out of the gate. And this band is it. They, they set out to make a sound and I think they do have a singular sound, even though you can, they wear their influences on their sleeve, but I think that's what good bands do. They're rolled up sleeves. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what good bands do. I don't think this is a good album, but it's it's a confident album, which I I, I respect it, and I do. I kind of do think about my younger self and how reactionary I was to things like ah oh, fuck those guys, those preppy fucks. But now I'm just like whatever. You I mean you can't? You're from where you're from. You know you dress how you dress. Like I don't think they're rubbing people's nose in it or anything. Like they're not trying to piss people off. They're just trying to make music they want to make and i think they did a good job of it so i did i did struggle to like get through this album the first few times i listened to it and um but then i listened to it like five six times it's still just nothing i'm gonna return to but i don't know i'm not mad at fucking vampire weekend like whatever they're just like cool kids making their music you know <laughs> it doesn't piss me off or anything it just <laughs> i don't know maybe it does i don't know but yeah i'll just leave it at that <laughs> all right adrian what about you adrian yeah uh i'm glad that you mentioned their third record noah because actually i also came to that one a little bit later people would play it in the office and it like i was like pleasantly surprised i had probably heard the singles or whatever from that record for uh because you know they're obviously popped up in commercials or whatever the fuck uh but i so i that that got me kind of back into them in the recent times and then you know as i mentioned a little bit in my previous history so i kind of have that in the back of my mind as i listen to it now where i'm like see see kind of that that short arc between that first record to that third record um and you know i think I, I mean obviously i like this record a lot more than you guys do i think for me it holds up a lot better than i expected it to, to i i think i think i i thought i would come back to it it would feel a little bit cringy and a little bit you know certainly the, the you know the affectations would feel a little bit more forced than than you know than i remembered but it's actually kind of the opposite it's a lot more breezy and loose than i remember it in in a lot of ways and i you know it it verges on moments where it certainly gets a little bit 
um, you know, eye rolly or whatever, uh, or trite, but I don't know. It doesn't bug me. I think it, it all suits the sound of the record and the, the, you know, what they were going for, as you're saying, no, I think they, they definitely set out to, to make a, you know, make a certain sound and they did it. And I think it's also part of it is that it's that thing of like, you know, you have years to kind of build everything for your first record and then, you know, a year to make your second record or whatever. And I think a lot of that goes into this. I think they, <clears throat> well, I know just from reading interviews that they had a bunch of these songs ready to go and, you know, and worked on them for a while and, and sweetened them um, as they were finishing this album. And a lot of that, you know, kind of shines through on these listens now where I'm like, okay, like, I like the clarity of all of the different elements. I like the air between them. I like that, that there's these little, you know, little bits of percussion that, that come through. I like that. I like that they, they're very thoughtful about everything, even though it, you know, maybe the lyrics can at times feel maybe not tossed off, but maybe not, you know, maybe too tongue in cheek, too self-aware as you're saying. It's precious. It's all precious. Yeah, that's a good word for it. But, you know, yeah, again, using to me... their tongue in cheek to fillet themselves. That's how <laughs> tongue in cheek they are. Oh, God. Jesus wow. Christ. Wait, this is the Marilyn Manson review. <laughs> um, I'm just saying what it's like masturbatory, but what would that be? <laughs> masturbatory, master of emotions. <laughs> But I mean, you know, when you're you're fucking dropping Peter Gabriel or Little John in the middle of a song, you know, that also references, you know, architecture. Like yeah. it's fucking that you Little know. John. I have this bizarre. in my notes, and I'm all, I'm sorry, to, but what are we supposed to take from that? Are we supposed yeah. to be impressed that this little fucking white boy listens to extremely <laughs> popular rap that the rest of the fucking world also has access to? Like, what the f like? Okay, cool. Like, little John should have been like, keep my name out of your yeah, mouth, dude. I will fuck <laughs> you up. No, little know, John I seems think... like a nice guy. I don't think he. Yeah, cares. he's probably like, this is cool. No, he's probably well, stoked. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, these white boys are tight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he also he also like, semi comes out of. I think he semi also comes out of like. Or, or sort of was down with the skate scene. So it's not too much of a stretch to think that he would be down for, for being referenced on one of their songs. Yeah, he um, went to Columbia too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, so for me, the record holds up a lot better than, than for you guys. And, um, and again, I like uh, the production really just was just really sings for me on this one. And I, I think part of that too was also just, um, appreciating Rostam's solo records uh which he kind of perfected this sort of bright cheery sound you know i mean already on this record which i don't know if he had produced other stuff before this but already like he kind of has that signature sort of tone and texture to to what they're doing and he carried that through all the way to now when he's do recording these other artists and you know i think with that kind of framing i i my ears were more attuned to that and so there's little things like he'll sweeten up a bass drum by adding a little bit of an electronic bass hit bass drum hit underneath at times and i think that's just like such a subtle thing in a way that really makes it some of these songs hit harder than they they or you know would if it was just them playing instruments they're you know whatever guitar bass drums keyboard um, and or they're just like little extra percussion things. Like, I think the drumming on this record is really good. I think in the in the in the review he said something like, you know, there's times when the when the drumming becomes more 
more of a percussionist kind of thing. And I think that's very true. There's, you know, little flourishes where there'll be, you know, some, some accented beats and, you know, obviously he's pulling from, from African rhythms and, and, you know, South American rhythms and whatever, but um, I really like that. And I really appreciate how everything's cohesive and comes together in these songs. Cause you know, they are relatively simple songs when you get down to it, you know, they, they do gussy it up with orchestration at times, you know, with keyboard and whatever with textures, but it, they, at the heart of the, at the heart of the record, is that you know pop songs these are all just pop songs and they're enjoyable and you know i think for me that still is true i think that that they still hit those same whatever you know in your brain pop receptors i think it still hits that those notes for me so um so yeah i i I came away from this thinking you know that this was a this is a good record i'll probably play it more often um Although I think I'll probably return to that third record more just because I like those, that set of songs more. And yeah. I think that, that that set of songs is actually like probably more deserving of a, of this, the rating they got here than, you know, although I think that one was skip, also very highly rated. Skip the so. first two and just go to that third one. The second album is more of the same. The second album is actually more obnoxious than this one. <laughs> I don't oh, disagree with you on that. It sounds like. It's his voice on the second one, Caleb, is like fucking torture, dude. It's like <laughs> I I like that second record, but it's yeah so precious and like they turn it to eleven for sure. He's hanging on every word. I how's it like his stilted delivery where it's like every word is very pronounced and slow. It's like speed it up, dude. Like come on. So I <laughs> I thought about that in other bands, and um I don't think it's a artistic choice i think it's a conceited choice it's like what i have to say is so fucking profound and important i need to hang i need for it to hang around a little bit i need it for everyone to absorb it so i'm just gonna kind of like you know outplay it and shit (laughs) so i've always looked at that or it's like when lyrics are so good people repeat it twice you know not like in the blues format but just like they have this profound thing to say and then they just like say it again you know I don't well, know. Caleb, get your shit off. Fucking okay. So having <laughs> having revisited this recently, um, when I first list, when I first experienced this, I, I didn't really, I didn't really jive with Jesse Eisenberg's um, portrayal of a young man, but I really found he is the heart <laughs> of the movie, and um, you know, but there's like irredeemable characters like Jeff Daniels. I think Laura Linney was really pretty strong. It's probably like my first introduction to her, and um, oh no, Caleb, that's. That's the film, um, The Squid and the Whale by Noah Baumbach. Right, right. Vampire Weekend, Vampire Weekend, self-titled, right? Those two things are two different cultural entities. Wait, now you're doing the Noah Baumbach (laughs) podcast. Yeah, basically, it's one and the same. You could just, uh, yeah, that's what I think that's the, the, like the, 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 the trifecta of like New York fucking white yeah. boy indie oh wait like, caleb sorry to cut you up did this band get co-signed by did david byrne show up at one of their shows wasn't this one of those where it's like david byrne spotted at the vampire weekend show yeah mm. he did but he was just there to get coke <laughs> oh i would never I... touch that <laughs> these guys are fucking pricks what if he's just like it's like <laughs> He's like these guys are fucking pretentious. <laughs> this is this is David Byrne saying that. 
<laughs> That's me, David Byrne. <laughs> I don't think they got the David Byrne. I'm not sure if they got the David Byrne cosign, but I know that Paul Simon did comment on this because he was being asked about it in comparisons to Graceland, and he he uh, he gave him uh, he gave him some props. So yeah, they got the they got the Simon bump. Tiny little little Simon bump. Um, yeah. So I, I let me preface before I go. I mean, it's like I don't fault this band. Like I don't. I I think pretentious is the term that gets thrown around a lot. It's just kind of like a default yeah, term for it's like lack true. of deeper analysis on something. I feel like everyone who creates has a set of references, influences, and a point of view, and that's fine. And I think this band has that in spades. And 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 applies it in a certain way um, that is both confident and uh, competent. And they're very interested in that voice and that point of view. I also have a set of references, point of view and influences and never the twain shall meet. Um, I do (laughs) not like this album. I uh, listened, I was able to listen to it twice, um, both schedule my own ears would permit and um yeah i just found it i don't know i'm kind of i'm kind of torn because i totally see what you guys are saying and i don't want to be too fucking harsh on it but it's just it's back to like what i was saying about animal collective it's just like not for me and i feel like it there's just not a lot there no you were saying Mm -hmm. it's kind of hollow i find it just like slight and it's just kind of the the audio equivalent of like a, a little shrug, you know, and like, it, and I know the playing is of, of a certain style and it's, it's, it's meant to be kind of wispy and a little bit kind of um, fragmented, you know, and the, and how like kind of West African guitar phrasing and things like where things are influenced by, but I don't know. I just feel like it's, there's nothing there. I just feel like they're kind of just tossing off little, little, little movements and little things here and there and just, I don't know. There's not a lot of connected tissue um, other than, you know, these kind of like little short stories, homeboys writing, you know? And um, yeah, I, I don't know, dude. Like I just, it's, I don't know. I didn't like it. I did. I just couldn't <laughs> fucking um, couldn't get down with it. And I just, I did, it did. It, it lacked it. It lacked a certain depth um, that I need in music, you know? Um, and it was just kind of too up its own ass and just like, I don't know. It just calls attention to itself too much. And it was just like very self-aware and autobiographical and that's cool. And that can be really interesting. Profound music can be created that way, but it just in this application it was just like, that's all it was, you know, there was nothing buttressing it to get it to like deeper realms of like self-discovery or anything, or as me as a listener revealed anything about myself or, any deeper kind of meaning other than than like you said like these little fucking short films these little like noah bombeck like fucking short films you know it's like i don't know i don't know and i think it's like the older i get it's just i don't know i'm gonna need a little bit more and like i don't know how this band got so popular but then i completely understand why this band got so popular because they didn't give people a whole lot to fucking had to think about you know it's like it's you can either like really overanalyze this band or you don't really have to overanalyze man you can just kind of enjoy it's a vibe the pop of it it's it's a vibe yeah it's a vibe and i find the vibe insipid 
and bland <laughs> and um yeah it's like you know you wear a pair of gap jeans it's like oh those are jeans those are nice jeans these are nice boys um but like i said i don't fault them for making this music you know i think they're good at what they do and i understand why they have like admirers and fans and stuff you know it is it's pleasant music that's there and it's just i don't know i I just wish it wasn't there for me um and to answer your question ezra i do and let me use it i find this album lame sucky comma and whack oxford (laughs) comma wow i mean that's fair. i don't know i was i thought i was more revved up than i was so kev you would say you don't give a fuck about an oxford comma like i said i was answering his question yes yes yeah well kev that was pretty i mean you you didn't go in too hard yeah i mean because like i just i at the end of the day i just found it's just weak chamber indie it's just it's just like a little romp you know a little it's a little (laughs) romp it's like a little ooh, something weird happened on the way to my coffee date and like it's like i'm like an album about it and it's just like kind of reminds me of uh the violent femmes like first album totally a band that i do not understand their popularity where it's like there's some good songs on there but it's like this is supposed to be like a masterpiece of an album yeah or like fucking jonathan richmond any any of that kind of shit it's just also like, aren't they modern lovers aren't they the harvard yeah they're yeah they're like boston dudes i think they went to harvard i don't think jonathan richmond did but the rest of the modern lovers did yeah and i think it's like there's a certain like kind of minimalist and i don't want to say this album's minimalist but i think there's some it's texturally lighter you know uh maybe people would argue differently but but with i see the it's kind of the playing's kind of fussy, but like the orchestration and um, it's it's actually only like three or four ideas of like guitar riffs and like arrangements. You know, it's actually the guitar pretty, sucks on this album. It's pretty yeah, like I said, it's barely there. It's just like there's just it's just wispy and like See, I, dips in I and disagree. out. And like yeah, I disagree. I think I mean Caleb, you mentioned it or, or maybe Noah mentioned it earlier. Where there. He's obviously pulling from the African sort of guitar stylings. It is a little bit more sparse, a little bit more trebly, a little bit more, you know, the riffs are not quite mm, as fleshed out as they would be in Western music or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they're a little bit more, they're a little, a little weirder. Um, see, to me, I, I think that it works in the context, you know, I mean, obviously, honestly, there's some of these, there's some moments where texturally and, and sonically that it could just be a stroke song, like, you take out some of the orchestration. Yeah, yeah that's a general stroke we're, song. We were listening like, on the way back from vacation. She's like, oh, this is like stuff. strokes vibes. But it's yeah. kind of like overproduced a little bit. The strings on this album, like, I mean, I guess we should just get into their wax and slaps because yeah. we flesh that idea. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a great transition. But I'm thinking because like the Ezra, what's his name? Koenig. Koenig. He's, Koenig, yeah. He, he so his father-in-law is <laughs> not at the time though <laughs> i know but yeah. now his father-in-law is um what's his name you can't bring quincy. these arrangements around father-in-law <laughs> that's what i'm saying so his father-in-law is quincy jones he's like, he'd be like what arrangement son so he's playing well, this and he's like <laughs> i can't imagine quincy jones listening to a little patty cake arrangements get the yeah shit out. 
listening to this album and being like, get this Mickey Mouse shit out of here. That's fucking cute, kid. Keep trying. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Get this out of here. Get this out of my house. Like, you're no longer allowed in my house. I don't know. Quincy Jones has gotten pretty dope and fucking wild uh, in the he's past like few a years. Chill, dude. He probably doesn't care, but I doubt he's heard this album. Well, he did fuck, uh, what's her name? Well, uh, Ivanka Trump claims. So he's claiming all sorts of things these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, speaking so of I, a, a I arranged range. strings for Frank Sinatra. This would not have cut it. Frank Sinatra would have kicked the shit out of you. <laughs> I'm gonna become a Sinatra guy. I think that's where it's. This is where this is all headed. I've tried, but <laughs> just not in the cards for me. I'm gonna be like the I'm singing, like, singing my way all the time. Be like, yeah, man, old blue eyes, the, man. What in the wee hours of the night? Yeah, I heard that. Man, there's like start back with. when men were men. Is that like a live album? As like there's like two two records of his that are pretty good, and the rest is just the. Adrian, have you uh, listened to that like space one that he made? It's like all about like um, it's like sci-fi. Yeah, uh, not the entire thing, but I've heard tracks from it. It's it's interesting, <laughs> for sure. Did he find the weed in Palm Springs or something? No, I think he was trying to cash in on like the 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, oh. Star Trek 2001 kind of thing. I think he's like, uh, what are the kids into? Uh, all right. Um, but anyways, he's like Quincy, uh, we... give me one of the Star Wars fucking songs. <laughs> yeah. He's like, can I be drunk as shit while I record? They're like, of course you can. He's like, all right. Wince. Get them broads. Your son in law is a studio. Your son in law is a fucking Ivy League piece of shit. <laughs> He's from Jersey? Uh, I don't think so. They want to last a day <laughs> in Hoboken. Oh, Tell you boy. what. Yeah, right. he's from New uh, Ezra Cohen's a New York boy. Yeah, born he's he's wow. married to uh, Rashida Jones. That's why we. That's why we're all jealous. Fuck, he's married to Rashida Jones. I mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. quite a woman. Good for him. Uh, speaking of, I married uh, Rashida. She was on the <laughs> office. <laughs> Sitcoms and Jim. He stares at the camera. That voice though has got to go. I'm sorry. Yeah, he needs to re re record this album. And take the voice out. Jim shrugged at the camera. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, you it. guys, you guys can take this next segment because I have. No comment uh, when it comes to slaps. You have no slappers. They're all stinkers, little stinkers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure they're fine. I mean, I wasn't I, like cringing the whole time I was listening to it, but I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no slaps for me. I I'm, like, I'm not going to disrespect the, the segment. I have a slapper because I think it's the most, well, fittingly, I think it's the most punk rock song. It's also kind of a ska song. Oh, yeah, just what we need. Um, and it kind of reminded me, you know, homeboys from Jersey. So it kind of has a feelies vibe. I think the feelies are from Jersey Hoboken, right? I think, I think that's right. Um, from Jersey. Yep. But, uh, the third song on this album, a punk, a punk. Um, it was the first song I heard and it's probably the best song I think on this album. So hmm. Adrian, what do you think about a punk? Well, I also had it on my highlights list. It actually wasn't there originally. I had a more of an honorable mention, but it 
in listening to it a, a few times, I was like, this is kind of a key song for them. I mean, obviously, it this song has been used in in like a bunch of movies. I, I just rewatched Step Brothers, and it's like it, almost the entire song is played in the in the intro section of that movie, um, which came out like literally months after this record dropped. You know, they're already being sort of. Uh, become mainstreamed into you, got that you know feral commercials bump. you got the feral bump. You got, got the... Mary, you got that mary steam virgin bump <laughs> Ooh, i love her i love Dude, some mary steam. how can Great. you not love mary steam she is top come tier on. come on now um uh when i was a little kid i had the biggest fucking crush on mary steam virgin i was like who is back that to the woman? future three probably i don't know what it yeah it must have been back to the future three i was like that is an older lady that is fucking fine <laughs> uh she hasn't really lost nice. her stuff <laughs> not ted dancing baby he's a good he's a lucky man arkansas um, baby but yeah i i and it's, it also was one of the songs that that when i first listened to this record uh stood out it's obviously it's one of their singles as well uh but yeah it's just a it's just a really you know one of the things I think that really works for this record is just how quick and to the point these songs are. And I think this one, you know, kind of nails that, but yeah, let's just let's take a little bit of a listen here. Uh, here is kind of the intro section with some vocals. Definitely kind of that Scott Punk vibe you're talking about, Noah. Yeah. They just bring the energy on. They he, His vocals are sped up, which I like, because he tends to, like, enunciate everything. So it's, like, kind of, like, speed it up, dude. Like, let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, let's get this over with. Um, and then I, I'm going to play a little bit of kind of the, um, the string section and show how they bring that stuff in. I mean, that is very catchy. Like, that's catchy as fuck. It gets stuck in your head very easily. Yeah, um, good song. Yeah, I mean, it's exuberant. It's got tons of energy. It's it just works. You know, it nails all of the all of the stuff that that is them. Nice, Adrian. What's the slapper for you? So I have actually quite a few that I can choose from. Um, I know that we have one in common. Maybe we can save that for sort of the last song that we talk about in the slapper section. <clears throat> but I did want to talk about um, one that we've already kind of vaguely uh, mentioned, Cape Cod Quasa Quasa. I think this one captures a lot of what makes them a great band. And also it is very much what people malign them for. I mean, the title alone right there, you know, it, it's very obvious what they're, what the song is trying to do or what they're trying to do, you know, mixing kind of their sort of collegiate background with, with the, you know, the African stuff that they were being inspired by. 
but I think that the song for me, it works well. I like the guitar riff on this song. It's very simple and it very, it's very clearly African inspired, but yeah, I think this, this song just works for me. Uh, and I think it encompasses a lot of what, what makes their sound, their sound. Uh, but yeah, what, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it kind of sounded like that the token song, the lion sleeps tonight, Wima wit. Which is also, I guess, taken from some African stuff in like yeah. a terrible way. <laughs> well, I think it is, isn't it? It is kind of derived from an African folk yeah, uh, song, I believe. Traditional song, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let me. I mean, I, I think Caleb, you probably have nothing to say about this, but like a uh, 1960s racist song, <laughs> reinterpret it, make a hit. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what song you're bit. talking about. Wassa Wassa is like a summer camp kind of thing. I don't Wassa, know. Wassa, Wassa. Wassa. Yeah, it's probably Wassa Wassa now that you're saying. Um, okay, so here's a little bit of Cape, Cat, Cape Cod Wassa Wassa. Yeah, uh, yeah, that right Peter there. Gabriel I mean, sucks, right? We can admit <laughs> we can admit that. I I like a few of his tracks, and I think Genesis You're is a Genesis good. head. I yeah, like I the mean, stuff with uh, Phil Collins personally. Yeah, <laughs> Lamb Line Lamb lies down on Broadway is not bad. If you if I ever have a Genesis phase, I need to find a hobby. You have way too much time <laughs> in your hands to be in the fucking That's like true. the prog Genesis shit. digging into like, Genesis. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Well, did you want to uh, Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that song is like that's like my problem with it. It's like I don't mean I don't understand the musicianship of it all, but it's like it's just like you know, it's just like, <laughs> like little glam. farts, like and I'm not like I would hate to classify African influenced music as sounding farty, but the way they do it is just like it's a little it's just fucking tossed off. You know, um, yeah, a little flimsy. Yeah, a little flimsy, <laughs> a little flaccid, if you will. Well, I think I think also when African music gets a little bit more fluid, I think <clears throat> I think they they they're definitely kind of a, a white boy version of it. So yeah, it's yeah. Not I mean, quite as uh, if you listen to you like know. I don't know, it could be like what they were listening to because if you listen to like high life or like palm wine jazz and all that stuff, that stuff's mm-hmm. like minimalist in it's like, yeah, like for sure. Strings but the stuff. singer does not sound like a fucking no, the singer is Columbia like, white boy. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah. The singer brings like, the, yeah, brings like the energy and like keeps it, it has, it has a momentum and stuff to it. And this is, I don't know, something like blocky, but also flimsy. Um, about His voice is the weakest part of this whole album by far. I I kind of don't disagree with you there, even though I like <clears throat> I like yeah, his vocals. It could be, yeah, he could be the vampire of this album, just sucking all the fucking <laughs> life out of it. Yeah, it's no wonder Rostam went solo. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm gonna have to seek that out. Yeah, his solo stuff. It's good. It's good. Cool. Um, um, I got another slapper, Adrian. I don't know if we share this one, but uh, song number seven, Bryn. Mm. And it kind of reminded me of 
another 2008 album, the guitar riff. I think this is the best guitar riff on this whole album. It's like oh, the yeah. only good guitar riff on this whole album. Probably the but only it, guitar riff on this album. But it kind of reminded me of, uh, remember our, our old friends, Abe Vagoda? Oh, yeah. 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 Tropical also, Punk. Yeah, they also had that album in 2008, Skeleton. Maybe we'll do it one of these days. But uh, listen to this song, Bryn. Tell me if it doesn't remind you of a little Abe Vagoda riff, her old friends at uh, The Smell. They didn't yeah. go to college, I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> probably with the Cal Arts or some shit. <laughs> uh, here's a little bit of Bryn, and I I don't have any time listing here, so I'm just jumping in at random. Just play the 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 top, the so top. I, All yeah. right, from the top. All right, that's enough. <laughs> do you I kind of like that a little dinky guitar. Do you think this song is about uh, a girl named Bryn or Bryn Mar College or a girl named Bryn that went to Bryn Mar College? Probably both. Nice. Yeah, probably a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, yeah. And then Adrian, I think I we did share. actually. I, I did. I did have a slapper actually, Adrian. Um, it's not on the album, but I think it, it came later. Um, if I, I put a link to it, Adrian. Do you want to just like pr- what play the that? Hell is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's uh, let's see what uh, so what full Caleb. But yeah, I like this jam. I did not sign off on this. This is this is Caleb's favorite quote unquote vampire weekend song. Which, of course, is how he met Rashida Jones. Yeah, he did the <laughs> That's a love story, too. To, uh... yeah. yeah, I love that song. That's like the only <laughs> song I fuck with. Got him. Oh, boy. Um, that is true, dude. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I literally had to do a, I had Jen listen to it. I was like, Jen, can you play the back? Like, can we do a side-by-side? Because I forget what's. I don't know if it'll come up That's later. That's Parks but... and Rex, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, for those who uh, what <laughs> didn't recognize song, that, what the song is that sounds exactly like that that the Vampire Weekend does. I had to listen to it, like pause and listen to it. Do like a Lindsay is probably like, wait a minute, son, did you do the fucking soundtrack to my baby? <laughs> oh, that's uh, how y'all met. My baby's okay. sitcom. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was wondering how where you came from. Uh, all right, uh, Noah, do you have another slapper? Or we, was that we share one, Adrian Campus? Yeah. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Yes, that's correct. I like the production. It has a little more heaviness that I think this album lacks. Mm. As heavy as they can get for you know some twinks and some <laughs> shirts. I think it's pretty heavy. Am yeah, I, I like, to say twinks. I, I think I, that's I, I think okay. The I think the jury's still out on that. I want to say we're like eighty percent there. I mean, yeah, I'm a well, twink mm. myself. As a, I'm a, like a straight. I'm a straight man twink. Yeah, I mean Ju- June is over, so I think we can. Uh, <laughs> um, that's more. I mean, things. you know, they're they're slight men for sure. 
but yeah, campus, I, you know, I think maybe I, I like it a lot because it definitely <laughs> like the lyrics are, you know, very, it, it's very reminiscent of that time of, of being a young college student of being whatever, you know, on campus and, you know, the, yeah. the line, you know, I always like that line about falling asleep on the balcony or whatever. I just, I think that that's really evocative of how, of the feeling of, you know, yeah. time that you have when you're in college, even if you're super busy or whatever, but yeah, I, I, I agree that the production on this song is great. And yeah, here's a little bit of campus. I've got to leave here before I go I pull my shirt on, walk out the door Drag my feet along the floor I pull my shirt on, walk out the door Drag my feet along the floor Then I see you, you're walking across the campus Cool professor studying romances How am I supposed to pretend? I mean, that's a stroke song right there, right? Like, that's just a yeah, stroke song. That's the most, they're most at their strokes yeah. right there. If the dude was singing through like a telephone, it would sound like. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and then I just want to play a little bit of the bridge here because I think it's uh, it's pretty good as well. So why can't he just sing like that most of the time? I wonder. That sounds a little bit more earnest. Yeah. Well, he, Caleb, he on eventually, the third album, he does. Yeah, it, it, he's much more in that register the whole time. Yeah, and uh, okay. it, I think he started that, that, I'm smoking not, weed or it something. It doesn't have that like a little more gravelly. Yeah, it's not like the affectation that like really gets under my skin with yeah. the, like the whole presentation of this band. Um, Adrian, give us one more slapper. All right. Whack well, the shit out of this. I mean, we already kind of mentioned it. It's one of their prime, if not their most well-known lyric. I mean, the Little John lyrics pretty well known. The some of the other ones, but I think Oxford Comma is probably one of their signature songs. Maybe um, certainly yeah. when they at this time it was one of the ones that they were most known for. Yeah, I said of this song, if an Instagram filter was a song, this would be it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like where you could slide it over into all the different cities. Yeah, this would be like, like the a, New York one or Valencia. Yeah, Valencia. yeah. yeah. Nashville or whatever. <laughs> X Pro or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that that I don't disagree with that, but I like it. I think it's uh, you know, especially coming in at second. Um, though I think the the one two punch of Mansard Roof and Oxford Comma is you know it sets up the rest of the record it's kind of saying like this is our vibe this is this is kind of our you know our again tug-in-cheeky kind of thing yeah because we can all relate to mansard's riffs and oxford commas <laughs> so really well i mean i involved. did kind of because i was in college learning about design and learning about fucking English yeah but you were a roofer putting yourself through college There's a difference adrian <laughs> yeah and i was a typesetter <laughs> you know that extra comedy do you add all that shit up it's a fu it's fucking annoying but anyways let's hear a little bit of this uh here's the intro of the infamous line 
I don't know. It <clears throat> it could very easily be. You could very easily roll your eyes at a line like that, but I think just the way that it's delivered, for me personally, it it works and it you know it's not it's not a groany groan worthy sort of joke or whatever they want to call it. It's kind of jokey thing. And I just like the I, I like the vocal take on this song. I think I want to play a little bit more uh, of the harmonies that come in a little bit later because I think this one actually just showcase how he how his voice can be can be really nice and especially when he's doubling it. And I don't know if there's if like Rostam or one of the other guys is singing back up on this, but these harmonies are just really pleasant to the ear and really I really dig them. But did you guys have anything else to add or or you know that song puts about me in this an Oxford. Song? That song puts me in Oxford coma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just put it's it's a catchy little number, pleasant. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less. Fair enough. Um, but here's a little bit of those harmonies that I was talking about. Accent. You want to talk about accents, bud? <laughs> and then just to finish off this song, I do want to get to the infamous Little John line um, that we've talked a little bit about earlier. Yeah, it ends the song. Uh, well, it does end the song, and it also is the lead up to the one of the very few guitar solos on this record. So here's here's a little bit of that bass melter. <laughs> You think, you think that's Rostam? He's like, let me take over. Get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> um, yeah. Let me shred, bro. I think that's all like, Ezra. Put your shit down. Put your shit down. <laughs> he had to like get in the studio to bribe yeah. like the engineer. He's like, he's like, dude, just put that solo in. He there. came like, in late night. The other guys aren't gonna like this, dude. And yeah, like, he came in late night. Way. He's like, let me fix this fucking shit. <laughs> Uh, uh, we get into whackers. I gotta take it. Yeah. Well, I had a question about the what, the little John because this is the time like little John was like very much in the zeitgeist, right? Because you had oh, like, yeah. you know, you had that you had that song, you know, super popular Ying Yang Twins, and then you had the fucking yeah, Dave Chappelle yeah. like impression. So but that was like already five years old by this time. Yeah, yeah, that's, but the, that's, but the yeah. the legacy of the Dorm DVD on that shit though that had a yeah, long tail. So I'm wondering if that collegiate. was how it all got like into this song was just like, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever, stoned late nights in the Columbia. I don't know if they have dorms or if you just live whatever in Washington Heights. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that's where he was like. Columbia is not in Washington Heights. It's in Washington something else. I think it's near there, but oh, okay. I know it's up. It's up up a ways in Manhattan. It's in Upper Manhattan. Okay, moving into our wackies. So this would be our uh, Grand Budapest Hotel segment. In <laughs> real wacky. What what what's whack on this album, fellas? How do you feel? Caleb, you go. I feel like you got some wax. Yeah. So, um, uh, indifference or what are you? Yeah. Um, I think like what really sums up what I think is whack about this album is uh, Mansford 
roof, like um, that time marker. Stinks. Um, the time marker of one, um, one second, and then through like the kids don't stand a chance. Maybe like a, a, the four minute marker, like <laughs> it, it, kind of that, and everything in between. That's um, sweet of songs. <laughs> that's sweet of <laughs> of songs. Um, yeah, really kind of uh, sums up what is my issue yeah. with this album. Caleb, we talked about how important it is to have a first song, like mm-hmm. really kick the door down. Yeah. And this first song is whack as shit. I didn't. They can't even kick the window <laughs> down to that Mansford roof. Every every time I wanted to listen to this album, I just kept. It's kind of a first song was like such a barrier where I was like, yeah. ugh, ugh. I think that's probably what it is. I think I would like this album a lot more if it just didn't get off on the wrong yeah. foot. I hate the drums on this song. They're like marching band. Yeah, because it takes a lot for me to like warm up to kind of like indie pop and stuff like this. And eventually, yeah. like some stuff, I do dig it. But like you said, this is this barrier of entry. It's reminding like, me really of uh, rough go. It reminded me of clap your hands, say yeah, like little kid indie marching band stuff. Mm-hmm. And his yeah. voice is peak, like bad on this song. I just mm-hmm. have in my notes. I just put no thank you. <laughs> I had that a lot in my notes. I was like no, and I'd put like stop. <laughs> not gonna do it. Enough. Not Enough already. I'm not the one. Yeah, I'm not the one. Not on my watch. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, All right. Well, <laughs> let's hear a little bit of this. Uh, I'm just gonna play the the intro because I think, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Mansard roof. I see a mansard roof through the trees. I see a salty message written in the east. The ground beneath my feet, the hot garbage and concrete. Now the tops of buildings, I can see them too. It definitely veers into that kitty indie thing. (laughs) Yeah. Or just just like little fancy boy kind of stuff too. It's like fucking dorks. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I like the strings on that. And I like the um. There's some nice guitar. I, like uh, I don't hate the arrangement. Guitar. I think it comes in way too early. It's like it's unearned. It's like you mm. gotta like kind of flex later with you know some like strings. But it's like I'm gonna do it from the get. I don't know. It's a bit of a bit of a move. Yeah, I don't know. It's like what is this architecture weekly? What are you what are you singing about? Yeah, what do you even know about a four-sided <laughs> gramble style hip roof characterized by two slopes on each of its sides with two lower slopes punctuated by dormer windows at a steeper angle than the upper? <laughs> of course. Everyone knows that. As one can relate to. Yeah. Yeah, aside from that song and then the rest of the songs are what I'm going to put on the on my wax list. So we can just go ahead and just run through that whole album. Go from the get. <laughs> Agent, do you want to play more of that song again. or do you have a whack to mention? Uh, no and no. Okay. I got a whack. <laughs> I mean, I got a couple whacks, but I'll just, I'll just name one more because I don't want to like shit on this album anymore. But uh, the one song, I think it's song number eight. It's again, it's just this voice. I cannot, like, I cannot do Can't it. even. Um, oh. Okay, so this and is one where one I, I kind of agree with you. On Blake's this one. got a new face. Mm-hmm. 
it's um it he's definitely got this patois going on with his fucking voice i think it could be a good song if it was just an instrumental but it ain't it's i'm cringy. surprised there isn't an instrumental on this album you'd yeah, think that he would have yeah. like a, a little a little interstitial kind of this is yeah. cringy cringy af i think they were going for you know no filler and just all the all meat but yeah this mm-hmm. of all of the songs this is the one where i think his vocalizations and, and the african kind of mining and say it it is it's, a whack i still i like this <laughs> song. i like this song and i wouldn't kick it off the album but it is indeed verging into whack territory and what's it is there a sample in it or is it like a an outright reference to like a calypso song right I don't think it's a sample. I think it's just, yeah, I think he's, he's just, just kind of uh, lifts it. And... Yeah. What is that? The interpolate. Mighty... Inter- yeah, interpolate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this album should have just been called Interpolation. <laughs> um, well, interpolate. <laughs> in any case, here's a little bit of uh, one Blake's got a new face in parentheses. Like. Already set now. You spend a week in old San Juan. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, come on, guy. Like, we, like get yeah, to the chorus. Kind of has a romance. Yeah, it kind of has a romance to like, like colonialism a little bit. In old San Juan. It's like these guys get are kind of the... doing some cultural colonialism, and then they're kind of like being reminiscent about old San Juan. I don't know. It's a little. Can we get to the sus. chorus? You hear this fucking whack ass chorus? Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Let's Blake, try to. In old sad one. Also, who was friends named Blake? Oh well. Oh, that's that like African patois. Yeah. I think that's from the uh the Trinidadian song. Doot, doot, doot. From Mighty Sparrow that they're yeah. lifting. Anyways, yeah. he, he has a part where he sings blacks got a new face. And it's like so in your face whack that I can't. I can't. It's one of the <laughs> worst songs we've ever covered on this podcast. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's kind of like the polar of the of the fundamental question that we ask. Of, it's like you know, architecture and health. Whack or slaps. Land. It's like your two choices. And it's like when we think of all that shit from the 2000s that we're trying to like dredge up and reminisce about. It's like it, it, it that to me kind of like symbolizes the whole whack. Yeah, that's all stinks. You know, even Rashida Jones is like, oh, yeah, babe, maybe uh, that song's not very good. <laughs> All right. Well, fucking Blake. I wonder who Blake was. It's probably William Blake, right? Uh, see, so I can never relate to this man. I'm a big dum dum. Billy Blake. <laughs> Billy Blake. All right. I like his art. Uh, and yeah, that shit's tight. Uh, yeah. So evil. Should we rate this bad boy? Yeah, let's yeah. give this bad boy a rating. Let's get it over with. 
<laughs> Adrian, what do you got? So as the true believer, I think I'm the only one that's going to give this a good rating. Um, but I don't think 8.8 is, I think 8.8 is high. So I still think it's a good record, a solid record. I think, you know, I think if the, he toned it down a little bit, it probably would elevate it to, to 8.8 status status uh, for me. But overall, I think it's an 8.2 solid, you know, deserving of a best new music, but I don't think it it's, you know, eight, five or above. Nice. Yeah. I just think this whole thing is too precious and like too, it's just too fucking two, man. I give it a 6.9. It's it's nothing I'm going to ever horny listen. one. I'm never going to listen to this again. Um, and yeah. I just, I think their last two albums are pretty solid. So I just don't want to be super negative, but I think their first two albums kind of stink. And 6.9 is not like terrible because I think there's some, it's weird because like, yeah, I usually respect bands that have like a singular sound and they're very confident but it's just, maybe they're too confident. It's like, I mean, you get knocked down a peg or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dial it back a little bit, as I would say. Um, Doing too much. Yeah. And I would Six say months. not enough, honestly, but um, conceptually they're doing too much, but uh, materially, I don't think they're doing enough. Um, so, and that is why I gave this album a because they put about 60 percent effort i'm gonna give it a six yeah sounds about yeah. right i like this <laughs> this i appreciate the songwriting some of the arrangements are cool but other than that i'm just, i am I, I feel let down yeah what's in uh rostam's a good producer that's like yeah you definitely come away with that he's a good producer i think the string stuff is gimmicky but like whatever he does it well mm-hmm yeah, yeah, and he definitely brings a lot of that to his own stuff. Yeah, you know, and this album probably sold a good amount of Wayfarers and the, like the chubby shorts and boat shoes and all that. So like, <laughs> you know, it's it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Got my Sperry Dock Cider. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, where were we? Weekending. Uh, what did you give it again? Add it up. Eight point two. Eight point two. Okay. Nine for me. And a six for me gives it a nice round seven. That yeah. seems fair. That's yeah. Yeah. I'm not unhappy with that. Yeah. And I bet there's an album. I can't name it off the top of my head, but there's probably an album. That this album kind of influenced or whatever, or that this album or some album they were trying to like ape on this. And that probably got a seven, you know, cause I don't know. Yeah. I'm it sure though like something a lesser version of this album would get a seven just like easily. I'm sure when Pitchfork does like I don't know who that band would be, but I'm sure though when they do like the 20 year anniversary of this album, Pitchfork's gonna give it a 10. Yeah. I mean it kind of broke them. It kind of like think it needs to be. It's, yeah. I don't I don't know. You think any kids are listening? This is strictly if you went to college from like 2003. 2010 that's the only people that are listening to I, I think album. it would i think it will have a resurgence though because uh the zoomers and stuff they're really into basic shit you know crappy, they crappy <laughs> yeah shit. and like that's kind of cool again so like yeah. um uh, yeah i have I one more so. thought if you guys will indulge me 
Of course. All right. Yeah, I just think it's a jittery, glittering jab of gleefully generic, jolly, preppy piss pop parading in parading in polos, putrid with punny parts and gluttonous geopolitical pandering. In short, obnoxious. <laughs> That's one of your best yet. Yeah, well said. I really like the idea of piss pop. Yeah, yes um, so that's sure. like early like power pop gg allen kind of stuff um, and this the toilet boys of course <laughs> all right. a very underappreciated genre um all right cool and um yeah so it's you no know, I, I hate to even raise this question though but how does this album stack up to the smooth rating oh boy because you want to talk about music that I think is globally would influenced. Be kind to these guys. He would though. be too kind to them. He yeah. would definitely like this record. I, I mean, think he on. would. Yeah. I mean, he's a world. He's a, he's played. Yeah. He's he has a tropical. with African. He's, yeah. yeah. Artist, he's no stranger artist. to. He's yeah. no stranger to African rhythms train. and yeah. whatever. Oh, I think he jammed with Fella Cootie back in the day, probably. Right. Oh, I don't maybe. Know if it's, I don't know if it's on wax, but I'm sure they toured or I'm sure they played a venue together at one point oh yeah santana's like a student of the music of the world but let's hear some smooth by carlos santana and rob tomas just i need a palate cleanser after this vampire (laughs) weekend i need to get sobered up i need a monday (laughs) santana monday (laughs) i need a bump of salsa after eating all these saltines (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right well ceviche at the louvre Santana, <laughs> rob tomas here is <laughs> they here... probably they i bet you vampire weekend is like smooth is one of the best songs ever that was a big influence on us and it's like where they where were but they were trying to like <laughs> yeah but Cultural no, but they were like, but probably in 2006, they were hot taking that, like, ironically. No, that yeah. song's actually fucking good, but all like, well, if you listen to it. his last album, Caleb, it's very much like a kind of a supernatural, it just inspired. has features every song, yeah, has different singers, it, yeah, where it's like an exuberant pop record. Like, I think, mm. yeah, mm. I bet all you right. Quincy is like, you should listen to Santana, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Did he name the album after Quincy? Oh, in a way, the bride, yeah, yeah. probably. Oh, what <laughs> it Quincy Jones is the man, yeah, hell yeah, goes without yeah. Saying. If you are ever bored out there, just pick up any of his recent interviews, he spills yes. a lot of tea and it is <laughs> yes. very entertaining. And like I said before, go to your local record store, you can find like 20 Quincy Jones albums for like, yeah. oh, dollar. yeah. They're all fucking great. Or watch old Emmys. I watch old Grammys, Oscars. He produced all all that shit. Yeah, all (laughs) of his, uh, all of his arrangement talented. All of his scores, all of his solo stuff is fucking incredible. Go, you can find the Roots soundtrack to the miniseries Roots. I guarantee you, you'll find in the dollar bin, and that album is incredible. If you want to hear like actual good African inspired sounds, check that shit out. Nice. Nice. Well, on that note, let's hear a little bit of our old favorite, Smooth. It's a hot one. 
Two inches from the sun. Seven inches from the sun. All right. So I am listening to uh, Smooth for 37 minutes instead of listening to this album again. That's yeah, me personally. I think me too. I might throw in some of the other like uh, Supernatural jams in there. Is, it, <laughs> is that going to be our last episode of us just reviewing Supernatural? I hope that's not anytime soon. But We'll do a classic. Classics. Supernatural. I mean, so that probably has to be the, like, the ultimate episode, right? Uh, we have to yeah we have to cover it at some point because <laughs> it's like it's too meta and just like self implodes All right. All what's right. next Caleb? what happened to this band um they went on to be fairly successful it's basically just ezra koenig right at this point or... no it's all the same bit it's not everyone except for uh, rostam rostam yeah the oh, rhythm wow. section is still there yeah all right guys mm-hmm. although i think ezra was the main he did most of the stuff on this last record, Got but it. yeah, they're all still, they're all still there. Yeah. Caleb, I would say check out the last two vampire weekend albums. You might yeah, be surprised. What is, the third one is modern. Okay. If I have some, dr- modern I have some driving to do of the modern city. vampires of the city. Yes. That is a great record cool. through and through. Yeah. Cool. His voice is way less grating. Skip the second album. The second album's trash. It might be worse than the first album. <laughs> I like the second album, but yeah, I agree. You can you can definitely skip it. Nice. I'm gonna check out the song called Unbearably White. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start there. Uh, which is a real song. Yeah. Uh, he did uh Ezra Kooning married Rashida Jones. They got a kid. Yep. They met on the set of Parks and Rec. We already went over that. We did the <laughs> Who's doing the arrangements for the theme song? Um, cool. Has anyone ever seen them live? No, never had the chance. Never on the East Coast. Never made it. <laughs> Based in LA, and they have been for a while. But I was trying to think of this because I, I felt like I maybe caught them at a festival, but I don't think so. I don't think I, I did. I think I would have remembered. Mm. Probably played like outside lands or something like that. Well, that was what my thought was not outside lands. They're but a huge wondering... band. They, that would have been pretty, you know, noteworthy. Well, in this at the, in this era, they would have definitely, you know, that's something they would have done, or like FYF or something, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is what I was thinking. Like, did they play FYF? But no, I don't think I don't think they ever did. But yeah, that's you know they they became fucking gigantic and essentially they they are now. A, full-on pop band with all of that entails good for them nice their right. their uh education paid off yeah <laughs> <laughs> stick stick with it that's the stick to i'm sure ezra's mom is like you could still be a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> well actually you know what i think he has he's a fellow podcaster i think that he has a uh oh he so he's an pod- enemy oh, so we got beef then yeah coming for you <laughs> little boy Hey, make your on your shit. Give us a rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, jump on the pod, Ezra. Come on, jump on the pod, man. Yeah. <laughs> Open invitation. To you fight. Get the the drummer. He's a best show, Colin. From- oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Chris Sweet. Thompson. Yeah. Who actually? Uh, we have the same birthday. Oh, oh nice. right on. He seems yeah. like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, they also make decent enough boys. Yeah, they're all nice boys. Come on now, making nice yeah, music for nice, true. decent people. 
And uh, Rostam's living his best life. He just came out as a, you know, fluid man. So right on. more props to him. Good. Awesome. Live your life. Um, speaking of living your lives, Noah, do you got a game for us? Yeah, I got a game. I think it's pretty good. Pretty proud of myself here. It should um, be. It's called <laughs> Lyrics, Fake Ooh. or Real. Oh, boy. So I'm going to give you some. Man, this is hard because nothing surprises me when it comes to the lyrics. I'm going to give you some <laughs> lyrics, and you tell me, are they actual Vampire Weekend lyrics, or are they ones that I made up? Oh, nice. All right. So here we go. First one is. Uh, wait, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> is that a lyric? I can't read my <laughs> own writing. I spilt coffee on my script. Okay, here we go. Summer took a trip to ski in the Alps. Your father moved across the country just to burn his scalp. Real or fake? Real. Caleb? This is a little basic. I'm going to go you fake. You made that up. That one's real. That comes from California English. Oh. It's throwing shade at Cali. Um, okay, here's another one. The deviled egg was flung by the priest. Riverside Church faces the east. Mother Teresa, Hotel Teresa, we danced the techno in Ibiza. Ah, real? I really don't Hotel want it to Teresa, be, but I think it is. Hotel Teresa is where Malcolm X and uh, Fidel Castro met in 1960, I believe. That seems a little too political for these guys, so I'm going to say that's fake. That is fake. I made that one up. Good Riverside reference. Church is uh, on the Columbia campus. I had to look that up. All right. Yeah. And Hotel okay. Teresa is in Harlem, of course. That's kind of keeping within the uptown. Yeah. Here we go. Lyrical right. themes. Nice. Oh, no, no, Kamachi, a long summer hamburgers on the hibachi. Oh no no kamachi, a long summer hamburgers on the hibachi. Uh, fake. I'm gonna say real because the guy doesn't strike me as a barbecue or hibachi is like a super outdated term for like a grill. That one's fake. <laughs> do you know who Oh no no kamachi is? Can't say I do. He's like a Japanese poet. Oh, okay. okay, here we go. In Santa Barbara, Hannah cried and missed the freezing beaches. And I walked into town to buy some kindling for the fire. Hannah tore the New York Times into pieces. Real. Caleb? Um, real. That is real. That's like an off LA the, guy now. So. That's off the song Hannah Hunt. Good song. Hannah Hunt was like a installation artist or something. Something like that. Something like that. I think she was Australian or some shit. Okay, here we go. One more. Eleanor Rigby, she smelled like the city. Carol Ann Duffy had some tig old bitties. <laughs> I wish that was real. But that's that was be, real. That's <laughs> got to be fake. Yeah, as we know, Ezra Kooning is a sexless man. So <laughs> that, that was fake. <laughs> Uh, Noah, but what I need you to do is just take that lyric and reverse engineer that into an entire album. 
Eleanor Rigby smelled like the city. Carol Ann Duffy, she had to go pitties. <laughs> All right, that was Very it. well. Very well done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, this concludes uh, our 18th episode. The you Vampire know who Carol Ann Duffy was? A poet? Yeah. I just looked it up. I didn't know that off the top. American poet. I wanted to see them big old. It says here she's British. Or British, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Same same thing, right? She has some tickle bitties. That's all I know. Right on. (laughs) She's Scottish. Uh, Yeah, thanks for joining us. This is a fun episode. Um, Yeah, and uh, next week we are serving up the chef special. That's Will Chef. We are doing 2005's Black Sheep Boy by Okerville River in Austin, Texas, baby. Do we have to? <laughs> some, uh, some Austin some Austin Blazer Rock, baby. Get ready is, for it. Is that our first Austin joint? I think it is our first Austin joint, and that is a deep city. Uh, where are um, many well, where, bands to pull from? Our Trail of Dead. Oh, Trail where, of Dead, yeah. Oh, they're, yeah they're totally yeah, iconically yeah. Austin. Yeah. Sure. That's a 10-point album. So we returned to Tejas. Nice. We go back to Austin, baby. Chef special. Um, yeah. So yeah, stick around for that. Come back for that. That'll be uh, sometime released sometimes next week. Um, new episodes are dropping weekly on Thursdays. Um, yeah, get in, uh, jump in the fray, have a conversation with us. Hit us up on our social media. We need those reviews. We need reviews badly. Um, send us some emails. We can read them online. Yeah, tell us. On, send us on vo- the pod. We do voicemails. Um, Talk some shit. If we ever get our shit together and we know how to actually edit ourselves, we could actually have another voice on it and do a whole episode with somebody else. So that that's the potential. Let us know what you want to do. Um, Talk that shit. Tell us yeah. why Vampire Weekend's not fucking obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, dude. Fight me. Um, yeah, so hit us up on whackerslaps at gmail.com. Can us up on all our socials or just whack or slaps. Uh, thanks to Kiki uh, for the slapping theme song. Thank you to Adrian for your stellar production work. Thank you, Noah, for your stellar vibe work, producing that vibe. And uh, for Noah and Adrian, I'm Caleb, and this has been Whack or Slaps. And as always, the question remains, what made Milwaukee famous? Hit the music. Bye. <laughs>